0: Welcome back to McLean's On The Hill. I'm Cormac McSweeney, Parliament Hill Bureau Chief for City News and Rogers Radio. In a week when foreign policy filled the air in Ottawa, there wasn't enough discussion about foreign aid. But Julia Gillard, who was the Prime Minister of Australia from 2010 to 2013, would like to change that. Gillard is a chair of the Global Partnership for Education. It's the only global fund dedicated to boosting education in poor countries. And she happened to be in Ottawa this week for the partnership's board meetings. Well, McLean's Ottawa Bureau Chief John Geddes caught up with her, and she made her case for a big boost in aid funding specifically for education. Gillard took special note of the fact that Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is a former school teacher himself, making her hopeful that Trudeau will be receptive to her case. Just a note, the interview did take place in a hotel lobby, so there will be some background noise. Thanks
1: very much for talking to McLean's on the Hill. Thank you very much. Great. Before I get into some questions, can you just introduce for our listeners what is the global partnership for education?
2: I certainly can. The global partnership for education is the only multilateral body in the world that focuses on school education in developing countries and so we're trying to solve the problem that as we're having this conversation today around 260 million children who are of school age don't get to go to school. They're not in school they'll never go to school for a day and hundreds of millions more do get some education but often it's not for sufficient time or it's of such low quality that they emerge from their school years not able to do the most simple literacy or numeracy tasks. So our mission as an organisation is to change that. We work with 89 countries around the world, low-income and lower middle-income countries. They cover 870 million children, nearly 80% of the world's out-of-school population we work with them to properly plan education systems and in the lowest income countries we make major grants to enable the delivery of a section of the plan.
1: Okay let me ask you a question about this as you sketch those big numbers I I can imagine people thinking wow that's that's a huge challenge and maybe even a huge crisis in in a way but I think when people cast their minds to the poor parts of the planet, they think about famine, disease, war um, as the crises. How do you make the case for education being prioritized with those other types of concerns?
2: I think the best way of looking at the case for education is what is going to change the long-term future of our planet? What is going to change countries for the future? Yes of course we've always got to have a humanitarian response in times of famine, conflict, crisis but we also know when you ask families often in the most desperate of situations including uh, you know people who have fled conflict in Syria and you say to them what's your number one one priority right now, they say getting an education for my child Mm -hmm. because even in their desperation what they want to do is to ensure that the next generation gets to live a better life than they did and I think we can all feel that human impulse, I mean in our own families, in our own communities in our own lives, uh, we're all aware of the drive to try and make sure that the next generation lives better than we did, the next generation of Canadians Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, that's a shared human impulse Uh, and And what we also know, apart from people wanting an education for their children, is that education is the key to unlocking so many other benefits. You know, you will only grow a strong economy over time if you've got an educated populace. Uh, The evidence is very clear now about the health benefits of education, including if we can keep adolescent girls in school, they are less likely to get HIV AIDS. Uh, The evidence is also clear that particularly if we educate girls, their children, will be more likely to survive infanthood, more likely to be vaccinated, more likely to go to school themselves. We know societies with higher education levels tend to be more peaceful societies. And we also know too, by educating girls, they get more options and choices in their lives. They'll choose to marry later. They'll choose to have fewer children. And that ultimately has a climate change benefit because global peak population will be less. Um, You
1: sound like you've made this case before,
2: I kind have of a feeling. Yeah, I might have had just a little bit of practice, but...
1: <laughs> you probably heard thousands of these stories, but I'll just mention I, I interviewed some Syrian refugees who have come to Canada recently, and it was surprising how many said the tipping point for them on wanting either to get out of Syria or to get out of refugee camps in the region and, and get to someplace like Canada was when they realised their, their kids were not going to be able to go to school where they were or were not going to, be able to go to a decent school. It was actually quite a common story. Not the bombing, not the terror, although it doesn't obviously matter, yes. but we had gone two years with our kids in school and we thought we have to get it and get them so I, thought, I, I thought it was a fascinating it confirms what you are saying about the urgency with which people see it
2: C- Can I ask? I, I could just add no, to that go, a, go. A, a board member uh, in the course of this board meeting shared a story from his country uh, his country had moved from having double shifts for secondary school so kids go in the morning then they go home and a whole new lot of kids come in the right. afternoon uh, they moved from that double shifting to having a full school day and he was then minister for education he was wandering around pretty proud of himself that he'd brought this huge reform and he said the thing that stays with him always is he went to a school to sort of celebrate this change and a boy in his last year of school said to him it's fantastic, but it's too late for me, wow. you know, I'm, I'm leaving school this year, this is too late for me. And it's a real reinforcement that, you know, kids are only kids once. And just like those Syrian refugees, every year that goes by in a child's life that's out of school is a year you don't get back.
1: Can I ask on a practical level, and this, this may be an impossible question to answer, but... What does it generally cost per pupil, per student in say the elementary years to provide a half decent education? Is there are there rules of thumb for what how much money you need in say different regions to, to accomplish it?
2: Uh, well, it's actually uh, shockingly low. Uh, our figure, um, if you're looking across our partnership, the average cost of a day's education for a child is a dollar eighteen a day. That's in U.S. dollars, so I can't quickly do the conversion uh, into fine. Canadian Full dollars. We know that. Yeah, but it's it's not very much wow. and uh, if we look at the total financing gap between what we have now and what we need, actually the difference in terms of lifting external aid can be measured in the sense, you know, we're we're asking people for a little bit more in that sense. Uh, what that adds up to though for a replenishment for the Global Partnership for Education is we are looking to replenish our funds. We can only do this good work if we've got funds. Funding from good partners and friends like Canada, uh, and we are looking to increase our funding for the three years to come, 2018-19-20, uh, we want to raise $3.1 billion. Can you give a
1: sense of the magnitude of that? How does that compare with what you currently have to spend?
2: Uh, we're, we're looking uh, to effectively double our resources. Uh, that will bring us to being a $2 billion a year fund in that's 2020. That's what you'll actually spend in a year? Like, or, uh, that's, or that's what you'll have to outlay? Or? Uh, that, that's what we would have available to outlay. Obviously okay. there's some, um, you know, in In terms of the expenditure because we work with individual countries getting a great sector plan, Um, you know the mobilisation of the money can be different quarter to quarter. Uh, But But two billion a year would would do it from your standpoint? uh, Well we we are trying to acquit a global objective set by an International Commission on Education on which I also served and which Gordon Brown chaired and which was uh, financed by the Norwegian government. Uh, We did a lot of research work and amongst the things we said needed to change to resolve this learning crisis is that GPE needed to become by 2020 a $2 billion a year fund and by 2030 a $4 billion a year fund hmm. and we are seeking to achieve the first bit of that, the $2 billion a year fund in this replenishment.
1: Canadian listeners will be curious about where we fit in this puzzle. Can you say something about Canada's level of support?
2: Yes, Canada's level of support currently is at $30 million Canadian million a year hmm. uh, and we will be talking to the government here about substantially lifting like that. Uh, well, we do need to double our resources. Gobbling, so yeah, yeah we, we do need to double our resources. We uh, we haven't talked uh, as yet. Sitting here right now, we haven't talked specific figures with Canada, but we will. But we will be asking Canada not only to make more money available, uh, but we think Canada is in a unique position to influence change. Uh, your Prime Minister um, is you know, obviously someone who cares about youth and education. He's Minister for Youth deliberately because it's his passion. Uh, a former school teacher mm-hmm. and now taking over the leadership of the G7. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that Canada can really have a very loud voice in the global community at this moment for education and we think that that fits with the priorities that Canada has outlined for its engagement in the world, uh, including a focus on a feminist foreign policy um, and there can be no more transformative uh, change agent for girls and then having the ability to define their own lives than the empowerment that comes through education.
1: Julie Gillard, I could ask you questions all day, but may I just finish with with one? there are a lot of parts of the world that are pretty rough these days a lot of corners of the world where i'm sure you your fund would be concerned how hard is it to work in places is it getting harder to work in parts of africa or the middle east or i guess some parts of asia as well or is it are there places where it's more difficult to influence schooling now than it was A
2: few years ago? Look, uh, there are um, parts of the world where uh, there are key security concerns, and obviously as an organisation we've got to make responsible decisions about how we engage in those parts of the world. But we've um, got a good track record of sticking in even when it's hard. Uh, for example, we are the uh, largest external financer of education in Yemen, wow. um, which is not an easy place. Not an easy
1: neighbourhood uh, these
2: days? No, not an easy place, and we've stuck in there uh, and managed uh, to work with um, people on both sides of the sort of conflict mm. uh, to keep schools open and to keep change happening. Uh, We've stayed very strongly engaged in Afghanistan and we're proud of our track record there uh, in increasing working with the Government of Afghanistan to increase the number of girls in school uh, in particular, by increasing the number of female te- teachers, which has been a key to unlocking the preparedness of families to send their girls to school. Um, so, we, you know, our geography is right around the world, uh, but it's in many places that Canadians feel a connection to, uh, including, of course, across Francophone Africa.
0: That was Julia Gillard, the former Australian Prime Minister who now heads the Global Partnership for Education. She was in conversation with McLean's Ottawa Bureau Chief John Geddes. Well, that's it for this week's episode. For more of your politics and power, join us next week on The Hill.